0: I seem fun. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast episode. (sighs) I don't know. Two fifty-five. You know, because it's listed. Two fifty-five. Who gives a shit? You know what this is. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. How you guys doing? I don't like the Hallmark Fall movies. I was wrong. I was wrong. I, I talked them up before I saw them. Classic mistake. I was the Pete Davidson, Ariana Grande of Hallmark Fall movies. Like, I'm in love. This is it. This is my new life. I don't tell me it's not. I know... <laughs> I haven't even watched one yet. I don't care. You know, when you know, you know, when you just know, no. I mean, I only watched one and I didn't like it. It just doesn't, I, I just started, I just started in on this podcast. And for new listeners, they might be thinking, what the fuck is this podcast? And I don't know how to describe it, um. I've been doing it for five years, and for the people listening, we're all kind of in on it, but new people jump in all the time. I'll read you some reviews, some recent reviews from iTunes, and you can you can decide for yourself if you want to keep listening. Uh, this one's from September. You know those days that seem super dull and blah and monotone? Oh, this is from Vicky Likes a Good Laugh. This will be your pick-me-up. Jen talks about the most random topics in her trademark, quirky, quick-witted way, and you just can't stop listening. Jdog14 says, Jen is hilarious and insightful. She'll make you laugh and cry. A must listen. This is a long one. This is from Cranky and Wise. Oh no, that's the name of, (laughs) that's the name of the review. Five stars by PGH Dinglebat. I've been listening for a year. I love listening to Jen talk about anything, even if I don't relate or agree. She makes me laugh a lot. Check out Freddie Mercury in Retrograde as an episode. Her views on life and things are so thoughtful and wise. This is from Shadow Weir from July. Things I like. Jen embodies some of the best qualities of the female mind. If men are from Mars and women are from Venus, then this Martian now has some real insight as to what actually goes on inside the Venusians Venusians light bulbs in real time. More women should look up to her as a role model. They turn out much better for their efforts. Like a slightly woman-hating, angsty review, but we'll keep reading. We can use a lot more gens out there. She brings up many realizations, perceptions, and questions she comes up with on her own, which are uncannily relevant to the state of our modern living that not too many others are voicing properly in public. Her own thought streams should be more in our collective mainstream thinking. I love many of her personal philosophies. I like the solo format. Interviews with guests usually kill the good feeling of listening regularly. Many guests are simply toxic people in one way or another. Not horrid, but enough to get you to kick the podcast off and move on to something else. There's already plenty of banter podcasts. This format is relatively novel by comparison. I appreciate the fact that she's doing an audio format podcast rather than some TV show like others have done. This helps keep her in well. That's not by choice. This helps keep her in control of the messaging and the atmosphere, and keeps all the Hollywood hecklers squarely out of the picture. She tells it like it is. I truly appreciate her candor, both about our world, the people in it, and her own inanity. Such a great combo. We should clone her so every generation has a Gen Podcast to live by and steer by. She only advertises stuff she uses herself, which in itself always makes me think twice about products advertised. She seems fun. Jen pauses a lot in mid-thought verbalization, which is fine. We all do. The sound editor kicks in when she pauses and suddenly cuts the background noise, which sounds funky. And I don't think that that actually doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't have someone that does that. Uh, so that's just made up. Oh, anyways, they get into the levels. This is uh, from Lucy B. This is the most amazing podcast. This has made my weekend. I've been at home working on my illustrations and artwork and laughing so much that I can't even hold a pencil. It feels like having a hilarious friend at home, being cute and funny and lovely. This is amazing. Uh, this is by Zoe Cassandra. I watched her Netflix specials, then bought all her albums, then learned she had a podcast, and she is hilarious. It's like talking to my mother, minus the 200% of the judgment, plus 300% more humor. Ouch, she touches on so many great subjects. I wish there were no ads. Well, I do too, but this is one of the ways I make a living now that I'm not on television anymore. Without the ads, there would be no more podcast because I would have to do other things for the money. So I know ads can be annoying. Speaking of which, today's episode is brought to you by Audible and Quip. But you know what? Um, I always try to make the episode a little longer than an hour because there's ads. You know, I always said there won't be ads, but when I first started this podcast... I had a book deal, was working on Chelsea lately, was touring, was also opening for Chelsea, was writing on a TV show and acting on one. So I was making money. And so now it's, uh, this is one of my revenues of living, which is actually amazing. So you don't want there to be ads, but you do want there to be me. So you got to put up with a little bit of that. Anyway, someone else says, I deal with anxiety and depression and I'm glad she talks about it and rationalizes why people go through what I go through, if that makes any sense. She is a wonderful companion to listen to, and I'm so glad I subscribed to this podcast. I would highly recommend it to anyone thirties or forties who are working single women. Well, thank you. All right, so what is it about? Why why can't I get in? Um Why can't I get into these? Fall, first of all, they're really missing the mark, not calling them fall mark movies. People, come on. But I think it's just, it's almost like you know they're holding back for Christmas. It's almost, I mean, I don't even know if this is true, but it's almost like you know they're saving the plot lines that really matter for Christmas. And although it's plenty of like business women. I mean, we can say busy business women. We'll just credit John Mulaney and, you know, New York City and all that stuff. Like, even though it's all that, it's just, I don't know, leaves don't do it for me like snow. Now, in real life, I love leaves, but I don't, I need, there's not enough opportunities for maddening inconsistency in the fall as there is in the winter. I need to see people walking in the snow in the thick of December in what's supposed to be New York City, but it's not with their coats wide open and their chest exposed. You know, like no gloves. I need to see those hot empty coffee cups tipped to the side. I need it. I need people decorating the tree on Christmas Eve like nobody in real life does except super unorganized people. Like it's always a family whose all the other decorations are up. Things that normal people would not think to do. Like the entire outside of the house is lit up every corner, perfectly placed garlands and wreaths and color combinations, but they're decorating the tree on Christmas Eve. That's what the fuck? It's really windy out. Um, people that, uh, I guess anal would not just leave it until Christmas Eve to decorate the tree. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, so I can't get into them. I've taped a lot of them, taped, because I still use a VCR. My sister did send me a text with a little video clip of, she just texted me, why the fuck aren't we watching these all year? And I think I've answered that question, which is, you just don't want to (laughs) just, it's a lifestyle choice. And I don't think we're there yet. We're not old enough yet. And, but in this clip, it seemed like an amazing movie. I'm not sure uh what the movie was but it was um this woman was a very busy like boot camp kind of teacher like a Barry's boot camp um you know workout class teacher not actual boot camp like the the army and they were showing these women doing these crunches and they weren't even when you're in a class even though you don't have to be doing it all at the same time because you're not in a dance recital. But for some reason, if you've ever taken any kind of workout class, you do tend to sync up and do things at the same time as the people next to you because usually the teacher's counting it off. And so all of the women were doing their crunches at different times. Some people were sitting up while others were laying down. They were not doing proper sit ups, they were doing like old school, like I'm a man in the 70s, like all the way down and all the way up sit-ups, which is so not a thing anymore and hasn't been for at least 10 years. They weren't doing the little crunches. So it didn't look like, no, no, no. These are women who do boot camp style workouts three times a week. They're in super good shape. They're just on their last energy burst. And that's why their sit-ups suck. It looked like extras who can't do sit-ups. And that little quality made me so happy. And I realized people, people climb mountains, people visit, you know, meccas and ashrams and all things to get the kind of bliss that I got from watching that clip. So there are moments of joy. I don't mean to talk shit. There's definitely moments of joy in these off-season Hallmark movies. I just wouldn't, you know, maybe I would take it down a notch from my last episode. But there's still so much to love. Anyway, who cares? What am I fucking talking about today? Well, I printed it out. My printer is so annoying. It just, it prints one page and then it takes six empty pages with it. So I have to like, I have to move papers around people, which makes me sound very busy. Um, But it does, because I'm trying to like organize. I know you guys don't like ads. I'm trying to organize my ads for this week. So, thank you everyone in Burlington, Vermont. Holy shit. You came out in big numbers. You came out in big numbers. I want to say I got more people in those rooms than maybe even... Voted for Bernie Sanders in Burlington, Vermont. I was more popular than Burley Sanders in his own town of Burlington, Vermont. I really was. I really fucking was. Um, We had two sellout shows and the other three were very close to it. So thank you to the amazing Vermont Comedy Club. And so many people drove up from out of town. What the fuck? People came from Montreal and Ottawa and Florida and uh, Boston and... So many people I talked to at the merchandise table. And then as we were coming in for a photo together, they would say, I listen to I Seem Fun. You got to tell me that right away because it changes what I sign on your merchandise. I need to know right away if you're an I Seem Funner. It changes everything. But I'm really grateful. And I really thank you guys for making the effort. And it really helped me feel good about going on some uh, more road gigs next year. And, you know, it made me feel like maybe I do still have an audience out there. And I also realized how lucky I am that I still have people that come to see me that found me from Chelsea lately because, you know, that show hasn't been on in four years. And usually, I mean, not that it won't die out someday, but usually if you were on a show that had its moment, you, you got about a year after that show's over and, uh, as something about, you know, I don't think I appreciated, I mean, I certainly appreciated my job at the time, but I mean, in the, like the way you appreciate a, a painting or something, I didn't appreciate at the time or or shortly thereafter, um, that my audience has had found me from Chelsea lately. Sometimes that made me worry because I know not everyone that watched the show kind of got what I'm all about. And they came because they, wanted to be near someone who knows Chelsea and they wanted to, I don't know, like one girl. I remember I kicked these girls out of a show once in Minneapolis. (laughs) I'm so horrible because they were in the front row and they handed me their phone and they were so drunk. I wasn't even interacting with them. They kept interrupting going, call Chelsea. Here's my phone. And I was like, Oh girls, you don't really know what comedy is. Do you? That was the problem. There were a lot of people, uh, new to comedy, which again, awesome. Glad that Chelsea lately got them into it, but that didn't know, even know like how to behave at a comedy show and thought kind of like, don't realize that for most of us, for every comedian on that show, this is what we want to do for a living. And so I think they just thought it was like, Oh fun. They just like fly. Like if they knew how stressful it was to, to be on stage or to just to like organize everything that it takes to even get to be booked in a comedy club, you know, and, and all the work that goes into it, all the years, and you're thinking about your set that weekend and you're trying to do a good job and sell tickets and please the owner and make the other comics laugh, obviously make the audience laugh, do a good job, you know, whatever. They think we're out and about partying. It's like if I wanted to party and just fly somewhere, I would not include doing my job as part of the party. (laughs) My job is not a party. My job is to make it look like a party. And we did succeed on the Chelsea show because so many people are disappointed when I tell them it was not a party. Um, but there was plenty of partying, but not at the show. All right. Let's see. All right. Yeah, it is episode 255. So anyway, thank you to everyone for coming out. I'm, I'm working on some like, you know, some of the new stuff that people have seen me do over the last year, I'm still changing and perfecting. And I'm putting old things that like I used to say, and I never knew, you know, they were funny stories, but they never had a, like, I have a story growing up about boys will be boys and boys being mean to me at school. And man, is that like, that didn't really have a point before, you know? And I used to do this thing where I talked about beating one of the boys up. And then I said, girls will be girls. And that's a cute story, but it's so relevant now with the Kavanaugh thing and the boys will be boys that there's this notion that all these women are looking back over their life to like all the times that like bad behavior was excused, boys will be boys. So it's like having this new life for me and it intersects with other material I have. And so I hope you will all come see me in Brooklyn on November 5th, the night before midterms. I think it'll be great and even if you've heard a couple of the materials before it's sort of this like new design and i'm really excited about it and i'll still do a lot of like new stuff and improvising in the moment so that you guys get your money's worth but there's this um i don't know but there's a lot of the material is about realizing as a woman like how many stories we have of harassment and this and that but the men that want to be on our side how we have to like teach them how to be on our side. And, and not that it's a bad thing, but we just have to make time for that too. And we have to look at we have to shift how we look at things um as men and women together against the bad people, right? And bad people harm men too and all that kind of stuff. So but it's I'm, you know, you never know what's gonna make people upset or think that you're picking on them. And I was so Hashtag blessed that all of the men in the audience were laughing and were saying they liked the show. And I honestly am not sure what a lot of it could have been relatable with for them. Do I? I just learned to speak English. How am I doing? And I was touched. And I, I, I get very. My friend Chris Frangiola always goes time to write a letter to America. We usually do this on a Sunday night or Monday morning after a weekend of shows where we feel so connected to other people that we're like, we're all one in America. Don't listen to the media. But there is this sense that comedy can unite and I don't like it to unite like against like someone in the audience or let's make fun of whatever. Like, I don't even know what I was going to say. Stupid people, but, but in a way I do also do that, of course, but I'm trying to, I don't know. I think comedy has a bad reputation. I think people don't want to go see comedy because they assume it's going to be mean. And I want my shows to have a sense of like a little, I want them to be about things that make us go, Oh, that's happened to me. And like, Oh, this is upsetting. And then laugh and then be uplifting and then feel like maybe I spoke for you and got through to some people for you. You know, whatever it is, I I take it very seriously, and I, you know, I I'm sure some women don't think I'm radical enough on stage, you know, and I'm sure some men think I'm d- like too radical on stage. But I know that there's a I know I have a good balance, and there's always going to be people on the on each side of the teeter totter going, no, this is too much for me. But I know in general that I strike a good balance, and it was just really lovely, and I I love when, you know. I love when, I like that I talk about personal things because unfortunately I always feel so guilty at the merchandise table. I don't have a lot of time. You know, I'm trying to move people along. Unfortunately, it's a capitalist endeavor. So I talk to you too long. The person back, you're like, you know what? I don't really need a book. They'll leave. You know, So it's like, I'm trying to move everyone along and people seem moved to tell me their stories and I just don't have time. And so I've learned a valuable skill, which is don't talk much at the merchandise table in the sense that it allows people to get as much as they can out. I just listen and not, it's like, I'm a therapist and I love it. I love hearing the stories. I just don't necessarily kick in and make it a conversation because I think it's really just people are like, you talked now I talk in a nice way. They're not like, fuck you for talking. That was rude. They're like, I just need to tell you, you know, and that makes me really happy because I think if you're just doing one-liner jokes about the absurd, I don't really know what – I'm sure people still have stuff to say to you after a show, but I like that connection because it actually helps me know that – I mean, the laughter, honestly, is the only answer I need in a lot of ways because it, it does mean – with a, with a little sound, people are going, I relate, that's happened to me. Or you're describing what happened to you really well, even though I don't know what the fuck you're saying. You know, it, 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 t- I get the point, but it is nice to hear that from people. And not many people get to go to different cities where, I mean, think of like, if you're on like a dating app or something, um, I, I don't know, I don't I'm not on a dating it, but let's just say you were on one and you're like, my interests are this. And like, okay, you can find someone in whatever mile radius that has the same interest. But I get to go to cities and just hear people reflect back to me, um, their shared experience. Now I know a million people don't have the same experience with me or agree with me or care. So that's fine. I get to hear from those people on the internet, but like in real life, it's nice to actually, Spend a weekend. I mean, you travel by yourself. I like to be by myself all day before shows and not even do activities because it's really a lot of energy to do a one hour show, then do a meet and greet, and then get back on stage with no rest and do another one hour show and then a meet and greet. And this is all at night. So it ends at midnight, you know? And I like to sleep late. And then you only have a few hours before the show. And it's like, well, then there's like the normal things you have to do, like, shower. Maybe you want to work out, eat something healthy. You know, it's like it's not a vacation for me and I'm never sad that I don't get to see the city I'm in because it's a different mindset. It's not why I'm there. I'm sure you all have great things to see. I grew up in New England. I've seen plenty of Vermont. Like I get it. It's beautiful. It's not totally my thing. Um and so for me it's like about the performance and connecting with the people. And so that that's the time that I cherish. I don't really care about your what cheese museum. You know, I'm sure it's great. But so that if you see me doing that, like that's what I'm doing that weekend. That's why I'm there. Nothing to do with like what the town might have to offer. Like it it does nothing for me, you know, because I'm not on vacation. It's a totally different mindset. So when you are alone all day and you're traveling alone, it's so beautiful to be able to speak with people after who you've never met and who you've touched something in and I don't take it for granted. And I think I'm so lucky and I only wish I could do it in bigger numbers, you know, and I hope that happens. And, um, it's just, I feel so lucky that my parents came to the shows and then I totally forgot they were in my Netflix special. I completely forgot. And the people sitting around my parents had recognized them, but I didn't realize that my dad We'll talk to anybody. My mom and I were, we all were walking out of the hotel and I said, let's go to the farmer's market across the street from the hotel, like, which is in the town commons. And my mom and I were walking, we turn around, our dad is talking to a guy who's, he's in his car driving out of the parking lot of the hotel. And he just struck up a conversation with this guy. I don't know what, I mean, I was like, dad, do you know him? No. I'm like, all right. You don't just like put your face in someone's window when they're driving, but he does. And so anyway, the people in in the seats near them had, uh, you know, recognized them from TV. And so they were doing their own thing. And I decided, well, I'm not going to meddle. I'll go backstage and get ready for the show. But there were these lovely couple, Liz and Chris, and they wanted to take a family photo with my parents. And, you know, I make my mother said, oh, you make us feel so good. I mean, but that is like, I like to look as long as I'm going to have parents who support what I'm doing, I'm going to bring them into the world and let them see what it's like. And it's it's an easy way for me to get them to realize what I do, good and bad, like what happens when I do what I do. And I think it's I think it's great. And I think it's great to tell people, my parents are in the audience and this kind of relationship I have with them as it sort of sets a tone of what's going on here. My mom said that she heard someone in the elevator say she wasn't as uh, raunchy as I thought she was going to be. It was pretty tame. And it's like, I'm not a raunchy comedian. I'm an honest comedian. So sure, when I was going through a divorce and and uh, had been with the same person for seven years that I wasn't really attracted to and had some flings after, I talked to you guys about that. That's not because that's how I am all the time. It's just like, that's what that was going on then. Like It's not raunchy for the sake of raunchy. It's honesty. And, um, I don't want to be known as a raunchy comedian because I think that's weak and lame and not original or interesting, you know? So I hope nobody was disappointed, but if I don't have anything raunchy, I feel like sharing, then you're not going to get raunchy, you know? I mean, I swear like a sailor. I always fucking have. And that's that, but I see it as like a really nice, sweet person who just swears, Like a fucking sailor, you know. It's not really an image I'm trying to go for. It's this bizarre way of speaking that I have. So anyway, so we're walking along, and we go to this coffee shop, and my dad goes up to this woman. It was actually very insightful for me. We were sitting down, and this lady was right there. I mean, she was probably like 25. She was right next to us, and. I know in my heart that he would have said this to any gender, but if I were her and I didn't know this old man coming up to me, I would have been like, fuck you. I mean, thank God she was nice. And he goes, now are you working on that computer or playing something on it? Now, here's the thing. My parents use their computer to play fake slot machines. And my dad reads ridiculous, I don't even want to know the weird right wing websites. He's probably reading and I don't, uh, and they pass around videos and, you know, I don't think he does the work that he does. He doesn't do it on a computer. So I think he was probably whatever she answered going to then say, what do you do for work? Or what are you playing? I think it's less of a gender thing. Like, Oh, I see a woman. She's obviously not to be taken seriously. She's playing with something and more like, I don't know what people do with computers. You know, I mean, my parents were just them noticing that everyone is sitting there on a computer, especially cause they don't even do the laptop thing. They have a desktop that I swear to you, I think is still on dial up like, and so, but that woman doesn't know that. And so I ran over, I go, dad, you're being sexist. He's like, I am like he was truly confused. And I said to her, he doesn't mean to imply you're, you're not working. He, He doesn't know what people do with computers. He's like, yeah, I'm just seeing what she's doing. I go, dad, women don't like when men talk to them out of the blue. I know you talk to everyone. We just saw you stop three men on the street, but she doesn't know that. And we're so fed up with men just being in our business. He goes, oh, okay, sorry. And And I felt so bad. She's like, it's totally fine. And they kept talking, but I just don't like... Whenever any man talks to me, a stranger, I'm literally like, fuck yourself. (laughs) So I think that she... (laughs) <laughs> may have been nicer than me. or Maybe she was still in that polite stage of her life. But once you're 44, you're like, I've had enough strange men talking to me. I'm sure you're nice, but seriously, fuck yourself. So, I sit down with my parents. My mother's like, getting old is so awful. I can't even do anything. I can't walk down that step. My I get swollen. My hands are swelling from just, I don't know. And my dad's like, I don't notice a thing. He's completely getting older. He shuffles. I mean, but he's like in this denial. He's like, I feel fine. No, he doesn't. Anyway, so their conversations were cracking me up. And then some people at the show were like, We were right behind you in the coffee shop. So I'm sure they heard us dissecting once again how my mom's mom died on the floor. I think she, I said, I think she died on the way down. No, she was bleeding from the head. And then I think she fell down again and she fell so hard, her ring broke off. And then she was trying to get to the phone. She was there for one day, Jennifer. And I said, well, mom, you know the dream I had? She came to me in my sleep that night. My dad's like, I never heard this story. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. And people around us have been like, what? Cause I have to talk kind of loud. Cause my parents are, uh, no, they're not hard of hearing like officially, but they're older now. So it's like, what? I'm like that too. And I'm only 44. So. I'm sure people are like, what is this conversation? My favorite conversation of the weekend was the next morning after the shows. Uh, Oh my God. What is this? All right. There is a Hallmark movie on in the background and this girl's on her laptop with a lot of cozy pillows and blankets and a fire. And she just looks out the window and there's like a giant deer but not like a Bambi deer, like the kind that looks like a ram and it's like right in the window and just looking at her and she's smiling and she goes back to typing. I would be like, this thing is going to fucking ram through the window and I'm going to die. But she remained calm. And she does that thing that I love what people do on TV where they act out what they're typing. Like they stop and they smile and then they shake their head to the side like, oh, I am typing this right now. And you know, maybe we do that in real life. I've never had a video of me typing unbeknownst to me. So maybe I'm just a big hypocrite. Anyway, I'll tell you what my mom said. But first I want to tell you, start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free. This is with Audible. Go to audible.com/slash fun. Or are you ready for this? This is next level. Text fun F-U-N to five zero zero. 500. That's text fun to 500 500. What would it look like if we all listened more? Listening to audiobooks motivates us, inspires us, even brings us closer together. There's no better place to listen than Audible because now Audible members get even more exclusive audio fitness programs, audiobooks, Audible originals, and more. Now, remember the indignities of being a woman. When I interviewed Mara Marco and, and Megan Keister two weeks ago, Theirs is an Audible original. So you can go right now, start your 30-day trial, get your first audiobook free, go to audible.com/slash fun, and the Audible Original is something you can take advantage of. And you know, both of my books, I Can Barely Take Care of Myself, Tales of a Happy Life Without Kids, and I Know What I'm Doing and Other Lies I Tell Myself, are both audiobooks read to you by me, the author. Every month, Audible members get one credit good for any audiobook they choose. By the way, I'm an Audible member. This happens to me. I can verify it. Two, you get two Audible originals from a changing selection that you cannot get anywhere else. And you get access to audio fitness and health workouts created exclusively for Audible. And the books are yours to keep. With Audible, you can go back and re-listen anytime, even if you cancel your membership. If you didn't like the audiobook, just exchange it. No big. Go to audible.com slash fun or text 500, 500 to get started. Now. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. I, I don't know what... I, I thought I was going to say something else to you. Oh, they have free apps for the iPhone, iPad, Android, and Windows. Download and listen. Uh, use the streaming or rental service with Audible. You own your books. It's great. Again, get my two bucks. I can barely take care of myself. And I know what I'm doing and other lies I tell myself. Audible.com slash fun. Text fun to 500-500. Thank you all. Oh, ma. People were texting me that they saw the Quip toothbrush in Target. They took photos and sent it to me like, Jen, Quip. That's brand recognition, bitches. What I love is someone goes, Can I go to the cashier and just scream Jen? But that's not the offer code. So that wouldn't even work anyway. You dum dums. Getquip.com slash fun. Go there right now. G E T Q U I P dot com slash fun. Quip is better than any other electric toothbrush. It starts at just $25. If you go to getquip slash fun right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Again, brushing your teeth obviously one of the most important parts of your day. You need to take better care of it with Quip. The electric toothbrush that looks like it was designed by Apple cleans like premium electric brushes without the bulk, without the cords and the plugging in, without the high price. It's likely that you don't actually brush your teeth for the recommended full two minutes. And with Quip, it has this awesome little vibration that guides and pulses and alerts you when to switch sides, making brushing the right amount and for the right amount of time effortless. It's also really cool. It's slim. I've got one in rose gold. It comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror. It unsticks and you can use it as a cover for travel anywhere, whether it's your gym bag or carry-on. And... You already don't brush your teeth the correct amount of time. You probably don't replace your brush heads every three months like you're supposed to. Well, With Quip, you don't have to think about it because Quip's subscription plan refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule, delivering new brush heads every three months for just five bucks. That includes free shipping worldwide, wide, 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 wide. It was named one of Time Magazine's Best Inventions of the Year, Get quip.com slash fun, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash fun. And you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. All right. So my favorite conversation I had with my parents was at breakfast the morning after my last shows. First of all, I booked a 1 p.m. flight so that I could sleep late. I got up at 8.30, which to me in real life is late. I like to get up at 6, 6.30 every day, but not on the road, people. Not on the road. Usually go to bed at 12 or 1, and then I'll sleep till 9, 9 or 10. If I go to bed at 2, I go to bed at 10. I get exactly 8, try to push for 9 hours. Well, I got six hours that night, which is I don't like getting no sleep and then getting on a plane. It's like I'm trying to keep the immune tuned but whatever. My parents wanted to drive home, you know, by 10, you know, they wanted to leave by 10. Okay. Okay. So we're having breakfast. Oh God, boring myself with the story. So I'm telling my mom, yes, I'll be home for Thanksgiving, but I'm leaving the next morning. I'm, I'm, I've got plans the Thanksgiving day weekend. I'm going on a little like sojourn, let's just say like a little, um, spiritual kind of retreat thingy. So I, I oh good. Because I have tickets to John Legend that night. My dad goes, who? John Legend, Ronnie. We have tickets at Foxwoods to John Legend. He is the number one performer in America right now. You don't know who that is. Yes, I do. I love him. He's wonderful. And I love his wife. Oh, we don't have, we got family in town. You don't go to all these things. She just said, "Ronnie, she's leaving in the morning. What are we hanging around for?" I have tickets to John Legend. So there's that. I didn't know my mother was a John Legend fan. I don't know one of his songs. I know he does that happy whatever. I don't like it. It sounds like it's for children, which I think it is because it was in the movie Happy Feet. I'm not saying it's a bad song. I think John Legend is wonderful myself as well. I just don't listen to his music. So God bless. They keep up with things that I certainly don't keep up with. Well, my dad doesn't keep up with anything. Um, People need my help. And I I will talk to you guys directly right now through the listener emails. But don't forget, go to iTunes, write a review. See how helpful that was? Give it five stars, subscribe, and write a really nice review can follow me at I Seem Fun Podcast on Twitter or facebook.com slash I Seem Fun Podcast. And then again, if you go to the Facebook account and you look at the, uh, the, t- the top post, it'll give you the secret link to the secret I Seem Fun closed Facebook group where you can write about, I mean, people are writing about their personal lives. I need help with this. I'm depressed. Or does anyone how do we lose weight or here's pictures of my pets or whatever people are talking about. You know, I'm completely out of it. Like I just watch over the threads and make sure everything's okay. But you know, it's just people bringing up stuff to each other, posting things. And, um, it's great. So, and nobody, you know, since you're on Facebook, it's not like people that follow you can see what you're posting because it's a closed group. So enjoy. Um, we are on SoundCloud and Libsyn and iTunes and Google play and Stitcher. And Spotify. Oh my God, we're everywhere. Send me an email if you need some holiday advice, whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, or New Year's, from anything from silly like decorating to a big emotional stuff. I seem fun at gmail.com. My friend Allison and I will be doing some special episodes where we answer your holiday advice and it's completely sincere. And I am part of the All Things Comedy Network. Go to allthingscomedy.com. Check out all the other great. Podcasts that are on there, most to all, hosted by comedians, but they are not about comedy. We have other interests, people. All right. Uh, this guy says I'm a longtime listener. I'm excited to see you when you're in San Francisco next month. I love your Hallmark movie talks. I found one. I. I doubt you've seen. It's called Pottersville with Michael Strahan. It's a charming take on It's a Wonderful Life, but with Bigfoot. (laughs) What? I bought you a copy. I would love to give it to you. I'm hesitant to bring it to the show because I know you'll be too busy to deal with it. You know, you're absolutely right. I got to be honest. Gifts are lovely, but you're just basically giving me something to put in my suitcase and I don't ever leave room for anything. Um, And it's just like, I've got so much going on. Honestly, I'm like, people, if you want to give me something, just buy all my merchandise. Um, But I can give you an address to mail it to. Uh, You can always go to my website, jenkarkman.com, click contact and send it to my management company. (laughs) Thank you for your humor and helping me through some tough days. I hope people are like, that's shitty. She's not. I'm just saying you can bring it, obviously. Whatever's easier for you. But mailing it, it will get to me. Um. Okay. This. I'm sorry this is so Hallmark today, but hi, Jen. It's Judy, the little 77-year-old Jewish grandma who's a Hallmark movie aficionado just like you. I've written to you before and I had to write you again today because I'm in the middle of watching number one in the fall harvest movie countdown on the Hallmark. This one, Falling for Vermont, is one of my favorites, but I have to agree with you that they're getting a bit monotonous. Wait, did I already say that this was monotonous? How many busy big city girls could possibly have fathers who run farms or inns in Vermont? It's like they're not even trying anymore. Yet I too have a whole bunch of them clogging up my DVR. But after a while, you just have to let them go. I'd love to visit the Hallmark Museum of Christmas. My son, Josh, told me you mentioned in a recent episode. Where is it again? Uh, Judy, it was in New York City. Or or at Los Angeles, but it was a big um advertisement, basically, and it's gone. It was like a you know like a pop up as they call it, or installment. I can't believe it's almost time for the countdown to Christmas. I enjoy your podcast, especially when you talk about the Hallmark movies. I hope to see you perform someday in New York, and I hope we both have a jolly holiday season. Judy, I love you. I love that you're a Jewish grandma who's like, gotta watch Christmas stuff. How's your son, Josh, how old is he? He's probably my age. Um, Now he and I could have our own Hallmark movie where you're writing to me and getting to know me so that you give the info to to Josh. And then he and I somehow fall in love because, or it's really him posing as you and you don't exist. And so I feel so comfortable because I'm like, it's just a nice old Jewish grandma and we're talking Blah blah. And I'm like, well, Judy, yeah, I had a relationship, and a couple of years ago, things haven't been the same, you know. And Josh is like, as you like, oh well, you never know. And I'm like, no, you're right, you know. There is someone else I have my eye on, but I'm not sure. Oh well, you know, you never know. Good luck with that. Yeah, sure, thanks, Judy. Judy. <laughs> and then, and then it comes down to it where I'm like, Judy, I am going to be in New York. Let's meet for coffee. I will not make you come too far out of your apartment. Where do you live? And since you don't exist, since Josh, your son, has constructed this whole persona, he has to meet me. And so he meets me at the coffee shop and he says, hi, I'm, 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 I'm Judy's son, Josh. And I say, oh, is Judy coming? And you say, I hate to tell you this. She passed away this morning. This morning? What are you doing here? Oh, uh, and he's all like stopped up because he's lying. He's like, Oh, I'm just, um, no, no, I'm on my way to the funeral home. There's already a funeral. She's died a few hours ago. No, I, of course. Uh, and it's all like, you know, because you don't exist, Judy. That's why he was able to lie and say that you died. His real mom, you know, lives in Minnesota somewhere. And, uh, and her name's not Judy. And, you know, so I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, well, really nice to meet you. And I'm like, this sure is an odd duck, but there's a spark, you know? And he says, um, you know, you should, uh, or I'd really like to pay my respects at the funeral. When is it? And he's like, oh, I, I, it's a closed thing. Family, you understand. And I'm like, oh, right, of course. I'm being silly. And then um, he says, uh, well, I'd love to, maybe I could take you to coffee. How long are you in town for? I actually have something that my grandmother was going to give you. Your grandmother was going to give me something? Yeah. Oh, all right. And so um, I'm realizing that you're a grandma, Judy. So I know your son, Josh, is married with kids, but this is just a Hallmark fantasy. So then eventually he has to tell me that this whole time we've been emailing, and I have not been emailing a 77-year-old Jewish grandma. And I'm mad at him because we're falling in love. He never has to tell me that you didn't exist, but I'm starting to find out. And that just blows the whole thing apart. And then I find out from like one of his friends or maybe his brother, like about his breakup and how he just felt like he never could be himself and he didn't know how to meet someone. And so I I don't know, we'll figure out the details of the movie, but I think that's a great plot. I think that's pretty, pretty freaking good. And I think you would watch it, Judy, as it is inspired by you. I should write it. Okay. Uh, guys, I really did not mean to make this whole episode about fucking hallmark. All right. Here's something. This is, we're we're going to get intellectual. Hi, Jen. I don't even seem fun lately. So I have a question about how to respond to a conservative older woman regarding the Me Too movement. I am a 42-year-old gay man, and my partner and I are friends with a lovely woman in her early 70s who has recently retired from corporate law and is very active and aware but somehow clings to her republican 1980s ideals. We rarely discuss current issues as she is a trumpeter and I don't want to scream at her. She recently commented that she thinks the me too movement is actually setting women back. I told her I couldn't disagree more and we left it there but I immediately felt weird about it. As a man, do I have any right to question her opinion? on a movement that affects her and her female friends in ways that I do not experience. Um, well, also, how does one reconcile being a good friend with someone who is literally voting for people who want you to cease existing? I usually just blame it on her generation and Reagan era white wealth, but lately your attitude is making me crazy. Any thoughts? Well, no need to drive yourself crazy. You know, um, you don't have to be friends with her just cause she's elderly and that might tug at your heartstrings, right? If she were your age, maybe you'd be a little less tolerant. At the same time, um, I think the way that we're friends with people who have different views, and I know that in some of these particular topics that, um, Trump supporters can be fervent about, it sometimes feels like it goes beyond views. Like, oh, I, I don't think we should have universal health care. I want people to pay for their own health care. You know, those are views. Uh, when it comes to like moral, more moral things about the children are in cages or how can he not know that Kim Jong-un is a dictator and he's fooling him? I don't know. I don't think these are things we necessarily need to have in common to have good relationships with people because at the end of the day, we're all people. We're all going to die. And as Ramdas said, we're all just walking each other home. Now, I think that a lot of people who've decided to cling to any politician they like have had to make peace with stuff about the politician that they don't like. So... I don't know all the details, but I don't know exactly where your friend stands on many issues. So maybe you could talk to her about it. Um, you know, there's ways to talk about the issues that come up without it seeming like you're trying to gotcha her. Like, well, do you want kids to be in cages? It's like, she probably doesn't. There's probably a lot of minutiae and stuff that like everything surrounding the Trump universe. It's like, that's fake news. Don't believe what we're reporting. And you might like, I find with my family They and I have actually pretty similar views when it comes to actual issues. If you heard my dad and how he's been brainwashed to think John McCain is not a good guy or not a war hero, when I don't care that he wasn't the greatest pilot and that's why his plane crashed. Anyone who sticks to the codes of war, which is I didn't let my fancy dad get me out of there and I stayed behind and got tortured because my buddies were there. I don't care what else you think of him. Do you think I like the man? He fucking brought Sarah Palin onto the scene. He's a war hero. If you're just going by rules of war. My dad like, no, he's not like he cannot comprehend in his brain that he's allowed to think conflicting things. The nuance is gone. His brain has been washed and there's no point in talking about it. So I don't talk about it with him, but, I know like for example there was this one day my sister and I were at my parents house and my dad screamed from the other room 50 years in jail no trial and we're like uh oh what is he watching and we go and we go what what now who should get 50 years in jail no trial and he's watching some like Sarah McLaughlin like the puppies are crying thing but it's about big game like tigers and beautiful safari animals and he's like people are killing these animals for sport. And he's like, they should get 50 years in jail, no trial. They're guilty. My sister was like, Trump is for that. And they're like relaxing the laws on that. My dad's like, no, they're not. So it's like, we actually agree. He will not believe that Trump is supporting it. So it's like, I think when you're actually talking to people about issues, you have to go deeper And only talk about the issues and not mention the politicians surrounding them and their opinions. If you must talk about issues. Now, I know a lot of these people, they're in my life, they bring it up first. So I usually say, you might want to be honest with her and say, it feels like you're voting for things that literally oppose my existence. She probably doesn't actually care about uh marriage equality in terms of does she care if gay people are married? I don't think she does. Does she think you shouldn't be able to adopt children or have your own? I'm sure she doesn't care, but if she really doesn't, unfortunately, you have to make a decision you know um sometimes we have to leave people's lives because it would hurt them, and they would notice why we're gone, and they would have to ask themselves, Wow, this person left because my beliefs are hurting them but you'd have to really make clear their beliefs are hurting you, not just offending you or you're a little snowflake. You know, you're hurt. You know, you're actually emotionally hurt and some of the decisions she's making affect your livelihood. That could stop someone if they're thoughtful enough to question, what am I doing? Is it worth actually losing people in my life whom I actually like to vote for these ideals that I'm not even sure why I'm clinging to them? Or it's up to you to do the other way, which is stay in someone's life because now they actually know a gay person and you're a person to her. You're not just an issue or thing, you know, and just by being you, it could change her. It might not, but it also might, you know, the more diverse your world is, the harder it is, I think, to stay as brainwashed. Like maybe you're keeping her from going another level deeper into whatever she's into. You know, I, I think it's a, you're a force of good in her life. Like this might be a service. You might be being of service by being in her life. It might not be something that you get a lot out of. So there's people in my life that I know I'm completely in service to. And so you have to kind of reframe Uh, your expectations and your self-care around every single hangout and reframe like how you're going into it. Like if you're there to just be a positive force, an example, a whatever, so that she can go, I know a gay person doing this. I mean, it sounds really awful when I put it that way, but we're still there with people. Now the Me Too movement, you know, you don't need to get involved in it because to be honest, neither of you are part of it in a weird way. Like what you might want to ask her is, well, never mind the movement and what you think it's doing. Do you have any stories of harassment, and let her tell you her stories? You know, I think that people I barely like I'm still Gen X, and I was the last generation that's probably teachable to being woke who who wasn't all that woke about everything when they were coming up, you know, um not as, not as woke as people are now. I mean, I was certainly pretty woke, but certainly not like I am now. And, and I have far to go, you know, but you know, I think women back then, it's almost like, it's not even a choice or an opinion. It's been drilled into you. It's, it's and I've been this way too. It's part of my brain that my brain was just socialized differently where I didn't know half the stuff that happened to me was wrong or, you know, with Hillary Clinton this week. Oh God, Hillary. Sometimes I'm like, would you shut the fuck up? She's like, I don't think it was an abuse of power. What Bill Clinton did. It's like, she's, her brain is wired differently. She's looking at it. She, well, also she's, she's not going to sit there two weeks before midterms and go, it was an abuse of power. And and that's going to go more viral than her saying it wasn't is like, she's being political. I'm sure she understands the concept that somebody has got to be the adult here. And if a young woman who is completely in charge of her own sexual agency comes after you, um, you know, that he, he should be like, I'm the president. This probably is not going to go well. Forget if it's appropriate or I have a wife, like people who are going to have an affair, like they've already rationalized that. But the, the, the one thing that could have maybe stopped him would have been like, if anyone finds out I'm fucked, but th- that didn't stop him. So, and it didn't stop him because probably somewhere in his brain, he was like, I'm powerful. I'll deal with it. So she's not that powerful. So when it, when, when the whole shit goes down, it's going to come down on her harder. It's going to affect her life more. That's an abuse of power. Or it's at the very least, it's an unequal balance of power. It's a power imbalance. Um, and Hillary was answering sort of a roundabout way saying, look. He didn't go after some teenager. She was a grown woman who it was extremely consensual. If not, she kind of initiated. And I I think that's what she has to say right now. And I think that's so, so, but it's it's also like people from different generations are just going to have different things. I mean, when I was verbally harassed by Louis CK and I, i didn't tell other people about it thinking let's take him down this isn't right i just thought what a weirdo and that's my generation is what a weirdo it's not right but what a weirdo and this generation is like yeah well we need to do something about it and i'm like oh right and i had heard that the women that he had jerked off in front of uh i didn't know the women personally but i had heard that Yeah, he did it. It was at a party. There were lots of people there. Everyone was in the corner doing their own thing. And his party activity was jerking off in the corner. And people were like, all right, loser. That's what I heard, that it wasn't a big deal. That's why I never investigated further. Uh, I didn't think to myself, well, wait a minute, somebody's lying. That's obviously not what happened. Um, Obviously, these women feel that they need to protect him or protect themselves. And somehow this turned into one big giant game of telephone where now the story is that they didn't care. It didn't dawn on me. And that was fucking four years ago. And I was 40 at the time and smart as a whip about women's issues. So here's the thing. There's the Me Too movement, which is what the media has, uh, you know, anytime... Like, so, like, a perfect example me and Louis. There's what happened between me and Louis all those years that he was kind of being weird to me, verbally harassing me. And then there's a larger, so there's that, which is the personal. And then when I speak about it in public, or people blind itemed me for so long and made it a whole thing, that was not helping women. That that publication of it, the way they were talking about it, the way people were coming after me, the way people were making assumptions. He was paying me off. He did harass me. He didn't harass me. I'm lying. I'm this. None of that benefited anybody. The simple fact of me telling my story about him, which got to come years later, which my story is not one of he stopped my career in any way or showed me his penis or touched me. But my story is that of when a man propositions you and says weird things, and then asks you to travel with him on the road for comedy for a gig, you have to turn the gig down because you're afraid that you might get harassed more. And even more so, I was afraid that by saying yes, I was consensually agreeing to be available for hooking up on this trip. And I felt if that's what he wants out of an opening act, then he better ask a woman who's into it. So I'm going to say respectfully, no. That's my story about how, you know, it's really, really different being a woman peer of Louis C.K.'s and being a male peer. There's extra things I have to think about. That's the only story I wanted people to know. So when we're talking about the Me Too movement, we're talking about women who are finally able to say on every level of harassment, this is what it feels like to be a woman. When I leave the house, I have to think I might get raped. I might get this, you know. Again, male victims male victims of this stuff, too, other races feel this way, religion's persecu everyone's who's persecuted understands this, so women are finally saying their thing, or I was too ashamed, or we don't have a good system in this country for um, you know c- punishing these criminals. These are criminal acts as well, uh or we don't have a society that understands you know it always goes to blame the woman we're we're always defending the man oh don't say that he's my favorite filmmaker you know that's what we're we're talking about stories here that are finally coming to light the me too movement i doubt so much that she's trying to say that women speaking up is harming women but in a really weird way i know what she means and she's just kind of touting some point of view she heard but in a really weird way she's also not wrong. Um, there are aspects of the Me Too movement that are blowing back at women because that's how any movement works. It's not perfect. It's not always forward motion. There's steps back. You know, you've got some women involved in it who are shady themselves. You've, it's, it's the same thing as everything. There's a population of earth. We've got some of this, some of that, some of the Me Too can't be pure because it's made up of human's. So you don't dismiss the whole thing because, because why? You know, you could ask her, what? Give me examples. Okay. Asia, Agento or whatever. Yeah. So that's fucked up. There's so many more stories that aren't hers that are what make up the movement. But I think overall, the movement is just good men who are willing to listen and say, wow, I really never realized what it was like for you. And women who are able to say, wow, I can speak about this and I don't feel shamed. That's all it is. The movement, however she's seeing it portrayed in the media or whatever, that's a media version of a movement. The movement is actually just individuals one-on-one talking about holding people accountable for crimes and for women on a lesser uh, related to crime level of harassment, talking about just the general culture of maledom, M-A-L-E-D-O-M, that we live in. And so I feel like maybe one way is just to ask her about her stories and see how she even talks about her own harassment. Cause she's 70. She's been harassed even just once and see how, if you can see how she minimalizes it or this, it's just, it's ingrained sexism. But at the same time, I'm sure there are parts of the movement that are blowing back at us because things do that way that, you know, we don't have to be so hysterical about it. It's like, it's a pendulum. Everyone's screaming And then men start saying, now we're afraid to do anything. Well, let them be afraid and they'll recalibrate. You know, we'll we'll get back to the center. But I just think that um, if you can try not to react like within your own soul when she says this stuff and just try to think, you know, you are the one more equipped with the empathy here, unfortunately. So it's kind of like you have to be, you have to take her through this stuff. Um, but I don't think it's about like sitting above it and commenting with her. Like, do I have a right? Does she have a right? It's like, you know, so I hope that helps. It's just another way to kind of look at it. It's probably stuff you may have even tried. So if I, if I said something you've already been doing, then I don't fucking know. (laughs) How's that? How's that? Um, Okay. Here's one last one. Let's just end on smart stuff. Hi, Jen. I listened to your podcast and always enjoy it. I just listened to the one with the ladies. uh, That's Meryl Marco and Megan Keister discussing their audio book and found it interesting. I'm just not sure on the accuracy about women marching in the back during the civil rights marches due to men wanting all the credit. Maybe that's true, but I always thought it was for their protection. It was very violent with dogs and billy clubs used to attack the marchers. Also, I know of a religion that speaks strongly on equality between men and women, the Baha'i faith. I just wanted to share my thoughts. Um, I'm a first-time writer to your show and for some reason felt the urge to share this. Well, thank you. I guess I could have written the women on your show who said these things, but I don't have a Twitter account and wanted to take the opportunity to say appreciate you and hopefully we'll see you do stand-up soon. I live in Albuquerque and I'm a black 34-year-old woman and mental health therapist who just requested to join the Icing Fund Facebook page. I know that was probably irrelevant information, but just in case you want a demographic of your listeners, I always do. Um, I love the characters you break out into and when you sing, I loved when you were rapping ice cube, I rapped ice cube <laughs> and enjoyed Dr. Barbara person so much. Courtney, you can say my name if you read this. Yeah, I actually, you know, it's funny when I'm like in dialogue with people, I can't really remember what anyone's saying. I didn't remember that they had, that they had, uh, suggested that women were marching in the back because the men wanted the credit. Um, but I do know that there is, there was a great article I read recently, um, if you would like to read it as well about the um sexism some of the sexism uh hang on in the civil rights movement and I'm, I'm not trying to tell you uh i'm not trying to civil rights explain to you but it was something that came about recently and i thought it was pretty interesting and why the f can't i find it um Gosh darn it. Hang on one second. Uh sexism in the Oh, I'm spelling sexism wrong. In the civil rights movement. Um Huh. Well, I can't find it. I like this great article. you know, I'm really pissed. I- I'll look it up for the next episode. Um, I think I put it on my, my Twitter and, uh, I'd have to go back, you know, a few weeks. Um, maybe I can vamp while I'm going back. in my, does everyone follow my sister's cat on Twitter, life with mittens? If you go to my page, I retweet her. I almost said him. And I'm the one that, I'm the one that does the damn account. Um, I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to find it today. I suck. I suck. You know what I'm going to do? Hang on. Okay. I think this is the thing I was referencing. It's still not exactly what I remember retweeting, but, um, Dr. Janet DeWart Bell's book, Lighting the Fires of Freedom, African-American Women in the Civil Rights Movement, and just about, like, all the hundreds of unsung women, and we only hear about Martin Luther King, like, that kind of thing. Um is what I was getting at. And that's what I hate about the, like the Bernie craziness. He marched with King. It's like, if he was this true feminist, whatever, blah, 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 then he would have been like, actually who we need to focus on are, you know, the unsung heroes of, of some of these movements, like the women and blah, 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 blah. And that's what was making me cuckoo to the crazy. But Hey, as long as I'm here lighting the fires of freedom, telling the stories of African-American women in the civil rights movement, everyone can get that book. And um Yeah, I mean it's it's a tale as old as time that uh women are the envelope lickers and the stamp putter honors and the groundswell people and the people that do the administrative work, but also like get these things fucking going. And uh you know, rarely are they included in, in the esteemable company of of uh or or it's whitewashed like like uh you know, it just becomes like the white women's movement or like I'm reading Rebecca Tracer's book about women's anger or becomes, you know, oh, Rosa Parks, this nice little old lady. And it was like, she was, it was very uh, on purpose what she did. And she was a huge activist. It wasn't just like, I'm a tired lady. And so anyway, but yes, thank you for that notion that in a lot of ways, the women were in the back because they were there to be protected. And I wonder what some of them would think about that now. Like, I don't need it or I, thanks, you know? Um, I really wish I could remember that original article, but there were a lot of women that were like, you know, felt that there was a lot of chauvinism in it. Like, okay, sit down, honeys, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, That's always the way. Anyway, well, that ended on a very inarticulate note. And uh, I would read one more email, but I want, (laughs) I don't want to get back into talking about a hallmark. So, ooh, is this good? Maybe I'll end on an article. Oh, it's kind of long. Well, anyway, how about this? Come see me in San Francisco, Sacramento, and San Diego. November 10th, 11th, and 18th, Sacramento, November 10th, San Francisco, November 11th, San Diego, November 18th. That'll be great. My Christmas show is on sale. It's going to be off the hook as usual this year. It's already like half sold out. So I would get tickets, jenkirkman.com, click door dates, and um, bring a children's book because that's what we're donating to this year and the Barnes Noble book drive. And then I would also tell you that November 2nd, Just Keep Living is coming out as a download. You can get it on iTunes. You can order it. And if you order it online through my record label, and I'll have all the links, you can get a free poster with it. And there is 17 minutes of bonus content where I take you behind the joke. So until next week, have fun.